Alawapa friends, welcome to Scattering Angels. Today is the seventh day of sovereignty, the year 175 of the Badi calendar, January 25th, 2019. I would like to read today a couple of chapters from Some Answered Questions by Al-Dabaha. I'm going to read chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5. The first chapter, the third chapter, rather, is titled The Need of an Educator. When we consider existence, we see that the mineral, mineral, vegetable, animal, and human worlds are all in need of an educator. If the earth is not cultivated, it becomes a jungle where useless weeds grow. But if a cultivator comes and tills the ground, it produces crops which nourish living creatures. It is evident, therefore, that the soil needs the cultivation of the farmer. Consider the trees. If they remain without a cultivator, they will be fruitless, and without fruit they are useless. But if they receive the care of a gardener, these same barren trees become fruitful, and through cultivation, fertilization, and engrafting the trees, which had bitter fruits, yield sweet fruits. These are rational proofs. In this age, the peoples of the world need the arguments of reason. The same is true with respect to animals. Notice that when the animal is trained, it becomes domestic, and also that man, if he is left without education, becomes bestial, and moreover, if left under the rule of nature, becomes lower than an animal, whereas if he is educated, he becomes an angel. For the greater number of animals do not devour their own kind, but men in the Sudan, in the central regions of Africa, kill and eat each other. Now reflect that it is education that brings the East and the West under the authority of man. It is education that produces wonderful industries. It is education that spreads great sciences and arts. It is education that makes manifest new discoveries and institutions. If there were no education, there would be no such thing as comforts, civilizations, or humanity. If a man be left alone in a wilderness where he sees none of his own kind, he will undoubtedly become a mere, bu- a mere brute. It is then clear that an educator is needed. But education is of three kinds, material, human, and spiritual. Material education is concerned with the progress and development of the body through gaining its sustenance, its material comfort and ease. This education is common to animals and man. Human education signifies civilization and progress. That is to say, government, administration, charitable works, trades, arts and handicrafts, sciences, great inventions and discoveries and elaborate institutions, which are the activities essential to man as distinguished from the animal. Divine education is that of the kingdom of God. It consists in acquiring divine perfections, and this is true education. For in this state, man becomes the focus of divine blessings, the manifestation of the words, Let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. This is the goal of the world of humanity. Now we need an educator who will be at the same time a material, human, and spiritual educator and whose authority will be effective in all conditions. So if anyone should say, 
I possess perfect comprehension and intelligence, and I have no need of an educator. He would be denying that it is clear that which is clear and evident, as though a child should say, I have no need of education, I will act according to my reason and intelligence, and so I shall attain the perfections of existence. Or as though the blind should say, I am in no need of sight, because many other blind people exist without difficulty. Then it is plain and evident that man needs an educator, and this educator must be unquestionably and indubitably perfect in all respects and distinguished above all men. Otherwise, if he should be like the rest of humanity, he could not be their educator, more particularly because he must be at the same time their material and human as well as their spiritual educator. That is to say, he must teach men to organize and carry out physical matters and to form a social order in order to establish cooperation and mutual aid in living so that material affairs may be organized and regulated for any circumstances that may occur. In the same way, he must establish human education. That is to say, he must educate intelligence and thought in such a way that they may attain complete development so that knowledge and science may increase, and the reality of things, the mysteries of beings, and the properties of existence may be discovered, that day by day instructions, inventions, and institutions may be improved, and from things perceptible to the senses, conclusions as to the intellectual things may be deduced. He must also impart spiritual education, so that the intelligence and comprehension may penetrate the metaphysical world, and may receive benefit from the sanctifying breeze of the Holy Spirit, and may enter into relationship with a supreme concourse. He must so educate the human reality that it may become the center of the divine appearance, to such a degree that the attributes and the names of God shall be resplendent in the mirror of the reality of man, and the holy verse, We will make man in our image and likeness, shall be realized." It is clear that human power is not able to fulfill such a great office, and that great and that reason alone could not undertake the responsibility of so great a mission. How can one solitary person, without help and without support, lay the foundations of such a noble construction? He must depend on the help of the spiritual and divine power to be able to understand this mission. One holy soul gives life to the world of humanity, changes the aspect of the terrestrial globe, causes intelligence to progress, vivifies souls, lays the basis of a new life, establishes new foundations, organizes the world, brings nations and religions under the shadow of one standard, delivers man from the world of imperfections and vices, and inspires him with the desire and need of natural and acquired perfections. Nothing short of a divine power would accomplish excuse me <coughs> would accomplish so great a work. I'm sorry, I'm over that coughing fit now. I'll resume. A cause which all governments and peoples of the world, with all their powers and armies, cannot promulgate and spread, one holy soul can promote without help or support. 
Can this be done by human power? No, in the name of God. For example, Christ alone and solitary upraise the standard of peace and righteousness, a work which all the victorious governments with all their hosts are unable to accomplish. Consider what was the fate of so many in diverse empires and peoples, the Roman Empire, France, Germany, Russia, England, etc., all were gathered together under the same tent. That is to say, the appearance of Christ brought about a union among these diverse nations, some of whom, under the influence of Christianity, became so united that they sacrificed their lives and property for one another. After the time of Constantine, who was the protagonist of Christianity, divisions broke out among them. The point is this, that Christ united these nations, but after a while governments became the cause of discord. What I mean is that Christ sustained a cause that all the kings of the earth could not establish. He united the various religions and modified ancient customs. Consider what great differences existed between Romans, Greeks, Syrians, Egyptians, Phoenicians, Israelites, and other peoples of Europe. Christ removed these differences and became the cause of love between these communities. Although after some time governments destroyed this union, union, the work of Christ was accomplished. Therefore, the universal educator must be at the same time a physical, human, and spiritual educator, and he must possess a supernatural power, so that he may hold the position of a divine teacher. If he does not show forth such a holy power, he will not be able to educate. For if he be imperfect, how can he give a perfect education? If he be ignorant, how can he make others wise? If he be unjust, how can he make others just? If he be earthly, how can he make others heavenly? Now we must consider justly. Did these divine manifestations who have appeared possess all these qualifications or not? If they had not these qualifications and these perfections, they were not real educators. Therefore, it must be our task to prove to the thoughtful, by reasonable arguments, the prophethood of Moses, of Christ, and of the other divine manifestations. And the proofs and evidences which we give are not based on traditional, but on rational arguments. It has now been proved by rational arguments that the world of existence is in the utmost need of an educator, and that its education must be achieved by divine power. There is no doubt that this holy power is revelation, and that the world must be educated through this power, which is above human power. All right, we're on to the next um, chapter, which is chapter 4. It's titled Abraham. One of those who possessed this power and was assisted by it was Abraham, and the proof of it was that he was born in Mesopotamia and of a family who were ignorant of the oneness of God. He opposed his own nation and people and even his own family by rejecting all their gods. Alone and without help, he resisted a powerful tribe, a task which is neither simple nor easy. It is as if in this day someone were to go to a Christian people who are attached to the Bible and deny Christ, or in the papal court, God forbid, if such a one were in the most powerful manner, to blaspheme against Christ and oppose the people. 
Those who believe not in one God, but in many gods, to whom they ascribed miracles, therefore they all arose against him, and no one supported him except Lot, his brother's son, and one or two other people of no importance. At last, reduced to the utmost distress by the opposition of his enemies, he was obliged to leave his native land. In reality, they banished him in order that he might be crushed and destroyed, and that no trace of him might be left. Abraham then came into the region of the Holy Land. His enemies considered that his exile would lead to his destruction and ruin, as it seemed impossible that a man banished from his native land, deprived of his rights and opposed on all sides, even though he were a king, could escape extermination. But Abraham stood fast and showed forth extraordinary firmness, and God made this exile to be his eternal honor until he established the unity of God in the midst of a polytheistic generation. This exile became the cause of the progress of the descendants of Abraham, and the Holy Land was given to them. As a result, the teachings of Abraham were spread abroad. A Jacob appeared among his posterity, and a Joseph who became ruler in Egypt. In consequence of his exile, a Moses and a being like Christ were manifested from his posterity and Hagar was found from whom Ishmael was born, one of whose descendants was Mohammed. In consequence of his exile, the Bab appeared from his posterity, and the prophet of Israel were numbered among the descendants of Abraham. And so it will, be con and so it will continue forever and ever. Finally, in consequence of his exile, the whole of Europe and most of Asia came under the protecting shadow of the God of Israel. See what a power it is that enabled a man who was a fugitive from his country to found such a family, to establish such a faith, and to promulgate such teachings. Can anyone say that all this occurred accidentally? We must be just. Was this man an educator or not? Since the exile of Abraham from Ur to Aleppo in Syria produced this result, we must consider what will be the effect of the exile of Baha'u'llah in his several removes from Tehran to Baghdad, from thence to Constantinople, to Rumelia, and to the Holy Land. See what a perfect educator Abraham was. I'm going to continue on with one more chapter today. The title is Moses, it's chapter 5. Moses was for a long time a shepherd in the wilderness. Regarded outwardly, he was a man brought up in a tyrannical household and was known among men as one who had committed murder and become a shepherd. By the government and the people of Pharaoh, he was much hated and detested. It was such a man as this that freed a great nation from the chains of captivity, made them, con made them contented, brought them out from Egypt, and led them to the Holy Land. This people, from the depths of degradation, were lifted up to the height of glory. They were captive, they became free. They were the most ignorant of peoples, they became the most wise. As the result of the institutions that Moses gave them, they obtained a position which entitled them to honor among all nations, and their fame spread to all lands, to such a degree indeed 
that among surrounding nations, if one wished to praise a man, one said, Surely he is an Israelite. Moses established laws and ordinances. These gave life to the people of Israel and led them to the highest possible degree of civilization at that period. To such a development did they attain that the philosophers of Greece would come and acquire knowledge from the learned men of Israel. Such a one was Socrates, who visited Syria and took from the children of Israel the teachings of the unity of God and of the immortality of the soul. After his return to Greece, he promulgated these teachings. Later the people of Greece rose in opposition to him, accused him of impiety, arraigned him before the Areopagus, and condemned him to death by poison. Now how would a man who was a stammerer, who had been brought up in the house of Pharaoh, who was known among men as a murderer, who through fear had for long time remained in concealment, and who had become a shepherd, established so great a cause, when the wisest philosophers on earth have not displayed one thousandth part of this influence. This is indeed a prodigy. A man who had a stammering tongue, who could not even converse correctly, succeeded in sustaining this great cause. If he had not been assisted by divine power, he would never have been able to carry out this great work. These facts are undeniable. Materialist philosophers, Greek thinkers, and the great men of Rome became famous in the world, each one of them having specialized in one branch of learning only. Thus Galen and Hippocrates became celebrated in medicine, Aristotle in logic and reasoning, and Plato in ethics and theology. How is it that a shepherd could acquire all of this knowledge? It is beyond doubt that he must have been assisted by an omnipotent power. Consider also what trials and difficulties arise from people. To prevent an act of cruelty, Moses struck down an Egyptian and afterward became known among men as a murderer, more notably because the man he had killed was of the ruling nation. Then he fled, and it was after that that he was raised to the rank of a prophet. In spite of his evil repute, how wonderfully he was guided by a supernatural power in establishing his great institutions and laws. All right, I'm going to finish up today our reading of the hidden words of Baha'u'llah, the Arabic, with the hidden word number 71. O son of man, write all that we have revealed unto thee with the ink of light upon the tablet of thy spirit. Should this not be in thy power, then make thine ink of the essence of thy heart. If this thou canst not do, then write with the crimson ink that hath been shed in my path. Sweeter indeed is this to me than all else, that its light may endure for ever. I'm going to close today with a prayer from the Baha'i Prayer Book. It is on page 131 and 132, and it's by Abdu'l-Baha. He is the compassionate, the all-bountiful. O God, my God, Thou seest me, Thou knowest me. Thou art my haven and my refuge. None have I sought, nor any will I seek, save Thee. No path have I trodden, nor any will I tread but the path of thy love. 
in the darksome night of despair my eye turneth expectant and full of hope to the morn of thy boundless favor and at the hour of dawn my drooping soul is refreshed and strengthened in remembrance of thy beauty and perfection he whom the grace of thy mercy aideth though he may be but a drop shall become the boundless ocean and the merest atom which the outpouring of thy loving kindness assisteth shall shine even as the radiant star shelter under thy protection o thou spirit of purity thou who art the all-bountiful provider this enthralled and kindled servant of thine aid him in this world of being to remain steadfast and firm in thy love and grant that this broken-winged bird attain a refuge and shelter in thy divine nest that abideth upon the celestial tree. Thank you for bearing with me today through my reading. I hope that you'll join me again. Enjoy your beautiful day. Allow a pop.